2: Thank you for tuning into the Sports Ethos Nets podcast. As always, this is your host, Cody Mallory. Usually, I am joined by my two co hosts, and I am again tonight, Joe Farrow. What's going on, Joe? Nothing much, man.
0: Just chilling. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, it's going all right. Some frustrating basketball this week, but, you know, I'm the champion of the pickums now. So, <laughs> so, I had no, to. Not- uh, oh, no, no, no. I have to get it across. I, I told said, you We're not was even 30 episode seconds episode. into it yet. He's already, I told
3: um, you guys. It already got to his head, bro.
0: It's not in my head. I'm going to stay on top.
2: Just watch. <laughs> and you heard him, Anthony Ditmar. What's going on, Anthony? Besides having to listen to Joe glow over here. <laughs>
3: uh, he's getting to his head. Honestly, when I was in first that long, I was the most humble guy around. So it kind of hurts that Joe took the <laughs> but- are you have not playing basketball this week? <laughs> is it this was week easy you're the humbling. most humble
0: guy around because you were like the only champion. Cody is uh, still a little behind. Yeah, guys, I've been
2: uh, I've been behind a lot this year, but that just means uh, when I get to first, I'm just gonna be humble because I know how it feels to be at the bottom.
0: Yeah, all right, you're not gonna be humble for shit, dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, enough of this talk. Um, so yeah, it's been a wild. I would say week maybe five days since we've spoken um trade talks i kind of hinted at it on our last podcast episode that we'd be bringing on a guest to talk about the trade deadline it's perfect timing hearing all these rumors surrounding the nets whether it's james harden the paul Millsap news uh bruce brown cam thomas nick Claxton. the list goes on and on with that being said i'm excited to announce our guest Stephen bagel from the birds right podcast how's it going steven going well guys thanks for having me on how are we doing yeah i mean it must be a pretty crazy time for you right now i think you said you're recording eight podcasts in nine days correct me if i'm wrong. nine
1: podcasts in eight days actually
2: oh i said it backwards yeah so
1: you're right it's a pretty pretty hectic time for me i was on the lakers and warriors last week i'm here tonight i'm going on the bulls tomorrow and i had my own guest on my pod yesterday yossi goslin of he's who pipes salary cap expert? So anybody who likes to hear nerdy salary cap front office talk, that's the podcast for you to listen to.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this. Obviously, Nets championship win now mode. Kind of some fans fall in love with some players, don't want to move on, but uh, we'll get all into the trade talk in a minute, but before we get to you, Steven, us three are just going to very quickly kind of talk about the three games that we saw since we last talked. Um, I personally don't have too much to say. Obviously the Nets lost all three games. Uh, The Timberwolves was kind of ugly There had very little defense being played. And then the Nets were very shorthanded the next two games. Um, So, Kind of expected losses these last two games, but Anthony or Joe, anything you guys want to say about him? I've just been saying just, like, relax. These games mean literally nothing for the Nets. Really, the last month of the season and then the playoffs is what we're looking forward to.
3: Yeah, the only thing that concerns me we'll get into it is just, like, the standings are getting really tight, so, like, a lot of these games are getting important. But, like, looking at the stretch, like – the home games without Kevin Durant and then the road games that are coming up that we do have Kyrie for, but it's like very tough opponents. It's going to be probably the roughest stretch of the season. I would hope it's the roughest stretch of the season. If it gets any worse, I don't know what we can do, but yeah, these games are ugly. Like not a lot of offense. Like you're missing your, and a fully healthy roster. You're missing your best player, your second or third best player, depending how you rank Kyrie and Harden and your fourth best player in Joe Harris. So there's only so much you can do honestly, but it's just depressing.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, Cody, how come you said they are uh, expected losses if you didn't pick them?
2: <laughs> you know what, Joe? Like, I try to remain optimistic. <laughs> I'm, the vo- I'm the voice of reason amongst Nets Twitter, I've decided. So if if the leader is very, like, negative, then all of Nets Twitter, can you imagine, man? Like, it's already negative enough. We don't need any
0: more. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's rough right now. Basically, I was thinking the exact same Anthony was thinking, so it's just rough. But we'll we'll move past it eventually. The biggest thing is health right now, health, and hopefully, and we pray Kyrie is able to play full time by the end, of the season, which looks grim right now. But can't give up hope on that. There was no hope at one point that he was going to play at all this year. So just give it time. Yeah, I mean, with the health
2: thing, really. Really quickly, Kevin Durant is supposed to be reevaluated sometime within the next week, Steve Nash said. So, hopefully, that update is positive. Uh, hopefully, the Nets give an update. They're very notoriously known for not really updating the fans or anyone on the true status of the players. They're Unfortunately, the we've been re- uh, living with that with Joe Harris, who we just found out through the TNT game that he's getting a second opinion on his ankle. Um, Steve Nash said that that's a standard procedure, but I don't know what you guys, but I heard second opinion on his ankle. Like that doesn't sound good to me, especially given the amount of time he's already missed.
3: You guys have any takes on that? The word second opinion is scary enough. And like, I've heard people say like, Oh, it's just precautionary. Like blah, blah, blah. Well, what from a weak injury where he's like an actual, like just like soreness to a surgery to can't even get on the court. Cause there's pain. And now a second opinion i'm reading the tea leaves right it doesn't sound good like obviously it's not like a hundred percent but hearing that is not a good sign especially because the nets didn't say it; we had to hear from like chris haynes like a third-party source on tnt right
0: yeah I, i it doesn't sound great but also when you're coming off surgeries a lot of the procedure towards getting back is seeing multiple doctors and seeing what they think about the healing process so I'm looking at that in a little bit of a positive light since Cody's always so negative on here, but um, <laughs> but no, I think hopefully, hopefully he's back very soon. A couple, like like less than a week ago, they said that Joe Harris, like James Harden, sent his presser after the All Star break when we get Joe back. So I mean, hopefully that sets kind of a target date that once we're back from the All Star break, Joe Harris is able to be back on the court.
2: Yeah, hopefully things are looking brighter. In the future for the Nets, it's been a pretty bad week, obviously, Um, but let's forget about that. Let's make this 100% our trade deadline episode, kind of get a bunch of names before we go into that. Steven, why don't you just tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of your history, your background, however you want to go with this, man.
1: Okay. Well, I am Sports Ethos's Bird Rights Podcast, as you said. I'm the host of that It is the front office show for Sports Ethos. A quick background about me. I am a Philadelphia 76ers fan. I do live right outside of the city. I live right around Westchester, Pennsylvania. So I'm like a half hour away from Center City. I am a Sixers season ticket holder. And I'm also currently, my actual job, Sports Ethos is more of my secondary thing. I'm actually a lawyer. I'm a law school graduate, so I want to use that law degree to eventually either become a sports agent, get into a front office and use that salary cap knowledge, a front office knowledge I have to um, explore that Avenue. Currently I have my mock trade deadline going on, which I do every year. I have 14 other people and then myself. So 15 people each negotiating as two teams. And you know, that's going to be a three-part article on the site. I'm going to podcast about it. So that's just my background with the front office. I have a lot of things going on right now. As I said, I've been guesting on a ton of podcasts, so busy time of year for me. But, again, I'm excited to be here, and talking trade deadline is my favorite thing to do.
2: Nice, man. So uh, you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but <laughs> um, so your thoughts. Let's dive right into it. James Harden, 76ers talk. Um, I know Woj kind of nipped it in the butt, uh, I think it was yesterday, that the Nets are not listening to trade offers for James Harden. It's no surprise for me. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I believe Will the smoke those fire. So I, I really want to – again, I thought we were getting James Harden the first time when he requested out of Houston. So I might not be the best person to ask. I'm more of an optimistic Sixers fan, which they've given me no reasons at any point to be optimistic. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I can't see Harden being traded by the deadline. I think the Nets, you know, ride out what they have, try to win the championship. And then if at that point, at the end of the year, and Harden says, okay, I'm opting on my player option, which is more of a formality at this point, um, at that point, then he would say, okay, I want to go to Philly, make it happen. That That's when any kind of move would happen. But no, I don't expect anything happening by the trade deadline.
3: Do you think yeah, kinda... that he would leave if they won? the Nets won the championship? I'm just curious. What I... you think?
1: Ooh, if the Nets win the championship, I can't imagine him going anywhere.
2: I think, uh, I think that's a safe play. And I definitely agree with that. Uh, he's made it very clear that he wants to win. So if that's what he's going to do in Brooklyn, they figure out all this nonsense that's going on. I don't see why he would go anywhere. And I don't, I mean, no offense, Stephen, but I don't really think Philly gives him a better chance at winning, even if the Nets don't win this year. But obviously, that's James Harden's decision. I'm here to tell you, James Harden will be staying with the Nets throughout this season. If I'm wrong, uh, I don't know what I'll do, but like, they're not going to trade him. They're trying to win now. Uh, like, if, gets traded, on-
0: if James Harden gets traded at the trade deadline, you got to put 10 grand on the Lions to win the Super Bowl next season. <laughs> um, fine, deal. I'll do it.
2: <laughs> they, better, they better get Aaron Rodgers in the offseason if I have to do that. That's
0: all I can say. <laughs> they're going to give Calvin Johnson a call. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True, bring back Calvin Johnson, get a Raj, I'll be all right. But anyways, like Mike Willivant said, the goal is to win the championship now. He said it on PTI today. Um, you keep James Harden, you try to win now, and you don't worry about him leaving until after the season. And I think we all, three of us, four of us, whatever, pretty much agree with that. Um, So let's not talk about Harden anymore. Steven, I think you said you were going to come with a list or a couple trade targets that were realistic money-wise for the Nets because obviously they're strapped, although they do have an exception, etc. If you want to just start and then we can kind of feed off of that.
1: Okay. So basically, just let me run down the numbers real quick. There's some speculation that Joe Harris could be used in a trade mostly for salary match purposes and because of the fact that he's not playing. So because the Nets are a luxury tax team, they could only salary match to Harris up to 27, $21.7 million. So that's like, um, I don't know, uh, Harrison Barnes. I still think Buddy Heald makes a hair bit more than that, so you'd have to attach somebody to him. But that's the kind of player you're looking at, like a 20, $22 million player for Joe Harris. For Bruce Brown, it's 5.97 mil, so you're right under the 6 mil mark. And for Javon Carter, it's 4.6 million. Those are the three guys I named because I think those would be the three most likely to get traded for an upgrade. Nick Claxton, I actually think Sports Ethos reported today that they don't really want to move Nick Claxton unless it's a huge upgrade. Obviously, he's on a minimum. He has a low cap hold, so the Nets could easily retain him this year. Um for and he's a restricted free agent, so they could definitely retain him. So I I really can't see an avenue where Nick Coxton does get traded, but his name isn't talk. so we could definitely mention him. So those are the three guys I'm looking at. So if you really want to upgrade and keep Joe Harris, you could get roughly an $11.5 million player for Bruce Brown and Javon Carter if you package those two. So that's how the numbers break down. So that puts you in territory for like... I don't know. What do you guys feel about, like, a Terrence Ross-type guy? Is that big enough of an upgrade to give up two <coughs> possible contributors in the playoffs?
2: I honestly think um, <laughs> that Javon Carter and Bruce Brown or whatever, whoever you can get for them, is – so if you get a Terrence Ross for those two, you do it in a heartbeat. I don't even think there's hesitation yeah. about it.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'll do it right now, bro. Like, I'll what that Yeah,
2: like <laughs> – Without hesitation, you make the trade, in my opinion. What about a Cam Thomas? I think he's another piece that I think the Nets would be hesitant to trade, but I think he would be appealing to some of the rebuilding teams because he's a young player that's proven he can score. He's got that natural scoring ability that you can't really teach someone. Uh, What what happens with Cam?
1: That's actually a good point that I honestly didn't even think of. The thing that's difficult with the Nets is they are pretty hamstrung and strapped – with trades in regard to the aspect that they just gave a four second round to just to get off of Deandre Jordan's contract. <laughs> so yeah. I believe they only have two second rounders at their disposal to even trade. And then on top of that, they they can't trade any of the first because James Harden trade, they traded them all. And then there's a Stapian rule. where Well, you can't trade consecutive back-to-back picks. So they're really shocked that the picks they could give up. So that's where Cam Thomas comes in, is he that asset that you throw in a trade to get that upgrade. I think it might rather be Nick Claxton because, again, he's restricted free agent. There's no guarantee. He doesn't get a huge offer, and you have to let him go and lose him for nothing, while Cam Thomas has three more years on a rookie deal. So that's a scenario that's definitely feasible. But I do think in that scenario, Claxton would be, the more likely asset to go to replace that lack of graphics that they have.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, real quick, Anthony, Joe, I kind of did a uh, Twitter poll about Cam Thomas. Um, it read, do you support the Brooklyn Nets trading Cam Thomas to get a considerable upgrade in the role player rotation? So like I threw out a name like a Robert Covington type player, maybe even a Terrence Ross type player, et cetera. Um, He would obviously be an attachment onto like maybe a Javon Carter or a Paul Millsap, who we haven't discussed yet, just to kind of unload them, create an extra roster spot for Kessler Edwards. But anyways, uh, do you guys support trading Cam Thomas if it could help the Nets compete for a championship this year? And just so you know, the votes went 56.2% to hell no and 43.8% to yes, anything to win now. Uh, Joe, why don't you start?
0: See, it's just a rough spot because we're talking about all this, like the James Harden stuff comes up and like right now though, two out of the big three stars were, we're uncertain about heading into next year. So it's just like, it's just hard to think about. Cause like, what if one of them leave and then you're, you already traded Cam Thomas. And now you have now like you lose your dynamic score. That's just a rookie and has already shown major flashes. That's like just what's really difficult to really make that decision. I tr- I chose yes anything to win because at the end of the day, if that's what it takes to be the final piece for you to get a championship, you don't w- have you don't worry about shit after as long as you get your championship. Like if that's what you need to do, you do it. But it it would just be unfortunate if we do that move and then say like a James Harden wants out and then the Nets don't want to bring Kyrie back or something like that. I'm not saying that that's the Nets' plan, obviously, but like you know anything. that's that's worst case scenario but like you're about to say anything can happen <laughs> yeah exactly
2: especially when you're in Nets fan, anthony what's your take on it
3: so i didn't really think about it twice like it sucks because like obviously he's in a cheap deal you don't get those kind of assets for nothing and that's kind of got to steal with him but if you have to win a championship you do whatever it takes necessary like it just it just comes down to that like one championship in my opinion is worth it all like, people were asked the question, was Anthony Davis worth it for the Lakers? Like, hell yeah, it was. They won a championship. Like, I'll take anything for one championship. And that's won the championship this year. It would suck to lose James Harden. I would love to run him back and, like, get a three-peat. But, honestly, one championship, that's where I'm sitting the bar at right now because this franchise clearly hasn't had that. And if it means, like, losing a guy like Cam Thomas and seeing him flourish somewhere else, would that hurt a little bit? Yeah, but it's something you have to do, especially with how depleted this roster is right now. Like, it's not – right now, this team is not championship-caliber roster with the way it's currently constructed. I'm including injuries because, like, right now it's a little murky with some of these guys, especially with the Kyrie half-status. Things can change. But as it currently is on January 27th, I don't think the Nets are the favorite to win the championship. And I know in Vegas they are. But I would say they need to make some serious upgrades. So, yeah, I do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat without hesitation. We've talked about before. If you win, how does a player like James Harden leave? So whatever it takes to win, I think as long as you keep those three together, the players you put around them can be very fluid and can change because those three are going to win at a high level regardless. So I'm fully for it. Um, Steven, so I sent out a tweet um, about players who you people would want to see the Nets trade for. If we run through some of them, could you give us situations where the money could work for these players? Is that something you could do on the fly?
1: Generally, yes. Again, I might be a million dollars or so off on the contract, but generally, yes.
2: All right. First player um, coming from Seam GD, Dennis Schroeder with the TPE.
1: Dennis Schroeder, you could not only use with the TPE, but if you wanted to avoid the luxury tax, uh, well, the luxury tax ramifications of doing that trade, you could do that for Bruce Brown. I mean, I had that written down without the TP. So either way, Dennis Schroeder is definitely a feasible scenario for the Nets to get. And not only that, I think the Celtics are going to want to move him because they don't have his bird right. So they could only pay him, I think $7 million next year, which Again, I think he he went for six mil this year. So has he played that much better to earn that much more money? Maybe, maybe not. But yes, I think Dennis Schroeder, he's one of the top guys I had on my list as well. That whether that be the TPE, whether that be a Bruce Brown to save money, either way, I think that's definitely a feasible option for the Nets. And I think he would really help them a lot coming off the bench as that ball handler.
2: I agree. Anthony, Joe, basketball takes on Dennis Schroeder. You guys like it? You like the move, like the fit? Of that backup point guard, uh, maybe even start when Kyrie can't play. If he still can't play at home, if someone gets injured, the Nets are really lacking another playmaker or someone that can score at the guard position. What are your guys' thoughts on it for a basketball fit?
3: Um, I think it's a great fit. They need scoring off the bench. Like that's the, the one thing he's good at. Is, like one of the good things he's good at is scoring. I think we saw, he was going to get twenty something million dollars a year last year from the Lakers. I don't know why he turned that down. Oh um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's just like it's a whole other story, but it'd be <laughs> a great yeah. score. Like it'd be like perfect for what the Nets need. Like, like when they lost Spencer Dinwiddie, I was nervous about like a ball handle off the bench. Like, yeah, we have Patty Mills, but it's not really his role. More of like a spot-up shooter type of guy. So this guy get your own shot and kind of like like lead the offense with the second unit, especially like you said when you off Kyrie playing.
0: See, Dennis Schroeder, I don't I don't know how he I like, yeah, he would he would definitely fit, but like if we were gonna trade Bruce Brown, I would much rather like an off ball guard, like the, the role that Bruce Brown currently plays, but like, act, like in an actual guard form, not a forward in a six, three body. Like, that's why I was like, <laughs> I don't know if this is on any, what anybody said, Cody, but I was thinking a guy along the lines of like Jeremy Lamb on like a, like the selling pacer team. I didn't know how feasible that was. Steven, do you know anything about that?
1: He would fit into the player, um or trade exception, which is 11, about 11 and a half mil. So, yes, he's another guy I had on my list as well. Same thing. If, you, if the Nets decided, let's just not use a trade exception because we're so far in the tax, then that's the same thing. A Bruce Brown and Javon Carter would get you there to Jeremy Lamb.
0: Bruce Brown and Javon Carter for Jeremy Lamb. Sign me the hell up.
1: <laughs> he's you one know, of th- – a- I was just going to say, right. Jeremy Lamb is one of three Pacers players I have on my list. The other two being Justin Holliday and Tory Craig. But Justin well, Holiday, yeah. I believe he's unvaccinated.
0: Yes, he is. So That's that would I
1: mean. yeah, so that would be the same dilemma as Kyrie Oving. So I can't imagine that, you know, being feasible.
0: Yeah. I oh, was gosh. watching I was watching a Pacer game a couple weeks ago and I was like, man, Justin Holiday is so good. And I was like, <laughs> and then I thought he was unvaccinated, and I was like, God damn it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you guys know, uh, being a University of Connecticut alum, I would love Jeremy Lamb to come to Brooklyn. Oh, here we go. Would love it. But uh, let's move on to the next name, because there's about like 25 names that we got from this tweet, and I kind of want to get through the most of them that we can. Um, From OSMo627, Robin Lopez. Steven, what's the numbers for Robin Lopez?
1: Robin Lopez is at 5 mil, so same thing. You could pretty easily salary match him. But Robin Lopez is a guy I think you could get on the buyout market. I can't imagine a team really trading anything for him, and he's on that lowly Magic team that I think he ends up getting bought out. So I think you know you trade Paul Millsap, open up that roster spot, Robin Lopez slides right in there. I don't think you know they again they don't have many assets to trade. So I think you hope that you find a guy, either him or a guy similar to him on the buyout market.
3: You think Paul Millsap gets traded? Like is he like I was just uh, giving
1: yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine for much. I was thinking maybe Paul Millsap back to Denver for like um. Rivers. That's something yeah. that me and Yoshi talked about last night on our podcast.
3: Over who would you say? I'm sorry.
1: Paul Millsap back to Denver for like an Austin Rivers type guy.
3: Ooh. So
2: no. That name I- just pains me. Austin Rivers. After I watched him kill the Nets last night, freaking kills me. But anyways, you could ask me questions though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any chance that the Nets can potentially uh, end up with a Jeff Green reunion? No. Jeff Green or who? A Jeff Green reunion,
1: like in Brooklyn. Oh, Jeff Green reunion. Um, Yes, I can. I've heard a lot of speculation about Jeff Green being on the trade market. I know Boston's going after him. A lot of teams want him. My hesitation with Denver trading him, though, is that they're probably looking more towards next year at this point. And Jeff Green has another year on his deal. So you figure when Jamal Murray's back, when Michael Porter Jr. is back, they're a contender again. So they might want to keep guys that have more than one year on their deal. So I heard Jeff, that
0: Javon Carter has a bright future. I think they might want Javon Carter for Jeff Green.
1: <laughs> well, Javon yeah. Carter, let me look. I believe he actually does have – he has one more year on his deal. So, yeah, maybe if they'll bid on Javon Carter, then that's a swap. That would make a lot of sense.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Carter, though. That's my thing. He's been, I don't know if you seen him. He's been like one of the worst players in the NBA this year. He's terrible. Like, I don't, yeah, know, I don't like, think you're wanting him. Like, I know the salary makes sense if we're attaching an asset, but like, does anybody feasibly want Javon Carter? No. I can answer that for you. From a basketball I mean, perspective, no.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you really need the perimeter defense, maybe. It it really depends what you're giving up to. Get him, like yeah. I could. See, I could see like a Charlotte going for him and swapping like an Ish Smith for him, something like that. Because Charlotte needs defense desperately, especially on the perimeter. So I think they'll go. Shawlet themselves will address rim protection at the deadline. That would help with their perimeter D. So I could see a swap like that making sense for both teams as well.
3: I, I like, if we're at the, if we're at the swap Ish Smith with on Carter, I think I take it at this point. I agree.
0: I think I think just the main thing is I I believe the Nets want to clear at least two roster spots before this deadline because Paul Millsap is going to be off the team one way or another and they want they there's absolutely a hundred percent chance that they are ready to convert Kessler Edwards from a two way contract to a standard NBA contract so that's already taking up one and I'd assume they'd want at least a little bit of flexibility on the buyout market so.
3: I can see James Johnson or DeAndre Bembry leaving this team if, it may, if like, it really had to come down to that. If I'm I can't be see. Really honest.
0: I mean, I, I could th- I could see Johnson for sure, but Bembry, I can't see. I think it's more likely that Bruce or Javon or both get moved before we cut Bembry.
3: I'm just saying if we go crazy, like, we go 2018 Cavs, like I think one of those two. But I think, if, yeah, definitely Brown, Carter, and Millsap are the main ones. Probably claxon fourth, and then I probably put the Bembry Johnson combo, but more likely Johnson. Like if yeah. it had to be like some guys that go, you know.
2: Yeah. Would you guys want Robin Lopez in the buyout market? Is that a player you'd be interested to kind of bolster the center position? Or I, personally yeah. I would only want him if Claxon gets moved. I think if you keep Aldridge Claxon and Dayron, then there's no need for another center. But that's just my opinion. What do you guys I, think on that?
3: I don't think center is the Nets need. Like they have like each kind of their big men they need. Like Blake's like, I know he's not a center, but he's like, you're like defensive guy, takes charges. He gives you effort. Claxton's that guy, has that versatile defense. Dayron can rebound and he actually has some offensive game. And then Aldridge is obviously the mid-range king. You kind of have like every type of center you need. So I don't see like what Robin Lopez moves the needle on. He's probably like average at all those things. It's nothing like crazy unless like you lose a Claxton. I think shooting is the biggest thing they need. Just crazy considering last year's team, but like shooting and maybe like a three and D wing, but more like the three because like they need shooting, like it's just you need better shot makers.
1: I agree. Can I raise um, you all right? Can I, I thought, raise you a veggie bullock then if you need shooting?
3: I wouldn't mind that.
1: Would yeah, you I wouldn't mind like a boost bound in Javon Calder for like a veggie bullock from Dallas. Yeah,
3: yeah your roster spot, you convert Kessler, it's a win win.
1: And then you move Millsap, then, again, you have that open roster squad you're looking for.
3: Yeah. And then I somebody to, I he got traded. What did you say? I wanted uh, Forbes before he got traded to Denver. Yeah. Because he
0: wasn't there a report, like, early in the offseason that the Nets were signing Bryn Forbes and that it just didn't happen?
3: Yeah. I don't know what that was about. I think San Antonio offered him a two-year deal, so he was like, screw it. I don't want the, I want the yeah. protection, which I get. Do you think a Joe Harris for like a Barnes or a Heald is feasible? Like, do you think the Nets would consider it if they don't have clarity on Joe Harris's health?
1: I think from the Nets' perspective, yes. But honestly, from the Kings' perspective, I'm not sure that that would, you know, move the needle for them doing a one-for-one swap. And again, as I said, the Nets really don't have a whole bunch of assets to attach to to make a deal like that happen. I mean, financially, it definitely works. A Harris and Barnes... For Joe Harris and then Buddy Hield, I think you'd have to attach one of the minimum guys. So let's just say Millsap in this exercise. Millsap and Joe Harris for Buddy Hield to work financially. But I, I don't, I don't know if that moves the needle for the Kings. I'm not sure which direction the Kings are going to go. Whether they're going to, you know, try to not have the longest playoff drought in NBA history this year, or if they will going to decide, hey, we have these pieces and we could blow it up. I'm not sure which direction they want to go, but I don't know how much sense a Joe Harris one-for-one one swap makes for the Kings, but for the Nets, it's definitely feasible.
3: Yeah. It'd just be tough to see him go. That's the only thing.
0: What about, what about like a, well, no, they're not selling, but I was thinking like a boy on Bogdanovich, but I don't think he would get moved, but salary wise, it would kind of match.
1: Salary wise. It would match. Yes. Hmm. Um, what do you guys right. think now that you brought up Borjan Bardamic, what do you think about like a Joe Ingles?
0: It would be great.
1: Because <laughs> I don't Utah's not gonna be able to resign him. They're so deep in the tax for a small market, and he's an upcoming free agent. So I think if I don't have the numbers in front of me, I think he's about 14 mil. It would be a Bruce Brown, Javon Carter, and one of the minimum guys. So that's us mil sack. So if you could do a three for one. It'd probably had to be a three-teamer because Utah doesn't have the roster spots. But something like that to get a Joe Ingles, that would help tremendously with the shooting issue.
3: That's not it bad. Definitely would. I agree.
2: Um, uh, it. The, the next two people on Twitter are both from Brendan Riccardi. He said Doug McDermott or Eric Gordon kind of staying on theme with that shooting issue. How do the numbers work out, Steven?
1: Eric Gordon, you'd have to do a Joe Harris swap. And again, I don't think I know Joe Harris is out. He, I don't know When he's going to be back. As you guys said earlier He's getting a second opinion and that's never a great thing But I, I don't know Eric Gordon's value seems to be higher Than it's been in a couple of years But at that number, it's really tough to match Without including Joe Harris um, And then who was the other guy? I said Doug McDermott
2: Doug McDermott, yeah
1: Well, Doug McDermott's I think At about half to 14 mil. He's right in between there so that would be the same thing as – I would forget who I was talking about earlier, but you'd have to do Down Carter and one of the minimum guys to make it work. Yeah.
2: Okay, so those two players are a little more difficult. Um, personally, I don't like moving Joe Harris for Eric Gordon. I don't know
0: about uh, Anthony and Joe on that. I'd rather have Joe that's, Harris leave for him to come back. Yeah, that's just, if anything, a very lateral move, and I believe you get older in that trade. So, I mean, I don't yeah. really think a great – move by any means i don't think it's worth it i think the a lot of the eric gordon narrative has been brought by really Rockets fans that have followed james harden in brooklyn and have been flooding everyone's timelines with this team needs eric gordon and
2: (laughs) it's
3: just like not feasible it doesn't like make a lot of sense to the next so i don't see that happening
2: all right the next name is from one underscore bunch of letters I'm not saying it he's got schroeder which we already discussed um,
1: Gary Harris I don't think we've talked about Gary Harris yet Stephen Gary Harris is difficult just because the number he makes he had definitely has had a resurgence here so there might be a, a market for him in the trade dev- or in the trade market but he's at 20 million dollars so there's really no way for the nets to be able to match unless he would have become available in the buyout market so, again, I can't imagine you one to trade Joe Harris or Gary Harris. That's not only – I don't even want to say a lateral move. That's a downgrade. So, I, that's not one that I see very feasible.
2: I agree. That's definitely a downgrade for me. All right, forget him. Next name from the, this person, uh, Robert Covington, I think is kind of one of the biggest names that has been mentioned in general for the Nets. Um.
1: Okay. Covington, you could definitely, again, make work salary rise with a Carter, a Brown, and a Millsap or any kind. In that scenario, probably a Carter, a Brown, and a Claxton because, again, the Nets don't really have the assets to attach to get a guy like Covington. I'm sure the trailblazers are going to be offered at least a first-round pick, if not more for him. So that's where Claxton will come in if they really value them highly and want his restricted rights. That offer could potentially be you know, a first-round pick. So that kind of depends on how Claxton is valued by the Blazers or any other team for a Covington-like player.
2: So that's when coming or that's when Claxton comes in hand because the Nets don't have that pick to offer. You're saying that Claxton that, could kind of replace it.
1: Yeah. Or that's what value-wise. you guys talked about earlier, Cam Thomas coming in.
2: Cam Thomas. So you're just talking strictly value-wise there because he's gonna demand more than the bums, the Nets have to trade. <laughs>
1: Yeah, again, this is the dilemma when the Nets had to give a four second non picks to DeAndre Jordan. They really strapped themselves. Right. Or to get yeah. off DeAndre Jordan, I should say. Right.
2: Um, Joe, Anthony, your guys' thoughts on Covington? I think he'd be a great fit, personally. Obviously, um, he's played with Harden before. I think the Nets could play small with him, maybe even play KD at the five. Uh, I just envision a lineup of Durant. Covington and Kessler Edwards with so much length and ability to switch and everything throwing James Harden and Kyrie Irving that's a damn good five I mean it's a little small but they still have guys that can rebound and switch and guard every position what are your guys thoughts on Covington
3: uh I think it definitely makes a lot of sense he's a very versatile defender He shoot the three ball well like it makes a lot of sense but like Steve was saying I just feel like the Nets don't have the assets to get him unless it's like Personally, I don't think Claxton gets you him. I think Cam Thomas might be able to get you him just because he's locked in, I guess, for four years. Rookies are four years, right? For your first rounder, or is it three? Four.
0: It's two, it, yeah, it's well, two total and yeah. accept the option.
3: Okay, yeah. So like that, like the Blazers might value that, especially if they want to rebuild that Dame or CJ, like having a young guy you could potentially build around. I don't know, like he said, I don't think a, I don't think Claxton, Brown, and Carter get you Covington. I think they might have better offers on the table, especially because they'll have to re-sign Nick Claxton. And do they really want to re-sign Nick Claxton to like $15 million a year or whatever he would demand? Or would you rather just have like Cam Thomas, let him just develop by himself and maybe become the next heir to the Blazers? I think that's one of those trades where like you might have to give up, Cam.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I would love Robert Covington, obviously. I just think it's a lot to give up. I don't know the difference in the numbers. Steven, you could help me out with this. What's the difference? Is like Marcus Smart more feasible to acquire uh,
1: Robert Covington? Marcus Smart makes about a million and a half more than Covington, so the okay. numbers don't differ greatly. But Smart might have more trade value than Covington at this point, especially because Smart is under contract. For four more years after this year and Covington's on and expiring. So Covington, you know, you could trade for him and then he walks and you lose him for nothing because you can't pay him. Smart at least you would have under contract. So again, probably difficult to get smart just because of how little assets you have.
0: Yeah, but, I, I forgot he signed a new deal.
1: Yeah, he it. just signed About that extension it. this summer.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. rough. Yeah, so I mean, Covington on that expiring
2: deal means no like rebuilding team, obviously, is going to trade for him. It's just going to be all contenders. I mean, that may, not, I mean, I think Steven kind of said it. It lowers his trade value, which might put the Nets in play. Um, Anthony Joe, are you fine giving up a Cam Thomas if it gets you Robert Covington, if you attach like a Paul Millsap, Javon Carter, or Bruce Brown to it?
3: It's so close. Uh, like, uh, I, I, I'm leaning a little now, to be honest. I don't know if Covington is like the kind of guy that would say I would want to do that for.
0: Him. Joe? Yeah, I have the same answer. I actually want to ask about somebody else on point. Uh, yeah. So what's up with Yusuf Nurkic? Isn't he around like
1: 12-ish million? He's at 12, yeah. So he's a million less than Covington. So, See, he-
0: no, oh, Nurkic is a guy I wouldn't mind giving up one of the younger assets for. If I'm, if I'm really just thinking about grand scheme, because you could uh, like Nurkic just does everything. Like he stocks the statue. He contributes in every way. Guy's a bully down low. I don't know. I, I like Nurkic, and if the if Portland's really just going to tear it all down, I feel like why not throw a flyer at it and see what happens.
1: What about Larry Nance Jr. while we're on the Trail bases? I mean, that was
2: Nurchick the next name I was about to get you yeah, from Mal
1: Capone. Nochick and Covington both are expiring deals. And with the next tax situation, it might be difficult to keep either of them. Larry Nance Jr. is under contract next year, too. And it's a descending contract. So he's making 10.7 now, 9.7 next year. So you actually save money by keeping him. So, I mean, I think that's pretty feasible as well. You could play at the small ball center for you guys, just like you were talking about Covington or KD doing in that kind of lineup. I think, again, he might command a first-round pick or two. Again, and that's something you don't have. But if they do value a Claxton or a Cam Thomas, that's a possibility.
3: What about – I have another one, not the Blazers, Nicholas Batum.
1: Nicholas Batum, that's an interesting one because the Clippers are going to be trying to cut back the luxury tax bill, given Kawhi and KD are out for the year. So Batum's only at 3.1 mil. That's a very easy swap. That could be a Javon Carter for a Batum swap. So that's, that's a very easy one. But again, I would imagine the Clippers want some kind of asset. Maybe a second round pick gets it done.
0: So you're so, saying a second round pick might end up getting us Batum possibly? A second, was, yeah. Oh, pump that into my veins. That's and a <laughs>
1: And the issue with is he has a player option next year. So I would imagine him opting out of it, but he's going to be 34, so who knows? So yeah. there's a possibility you could have him on the books next year as well at a pretty reasonable number.
3: That's what okay. I think that would be very intrigued. I think that might be the best one I've heard. Yeah, yeah I would be very into for Batum as well.
1: And then while we're on the Clippers, I actually have Justice Winslow on my list as well. I know we talked about shooting. He doesn't provide that. But defensive versatility, he could defend the one through four, sometimes maybe the five. He has placed a small ball five for them, for the Clippers. So, I mean, that's the same kind of range in between that we're looking at. He's under contract next year. So you could swap Javon Carter second on pick for him, something like that.
3: I think they have a lot of guys that do the same thing as him with James Johnson and Benbury. I think it's a little yeah, bit.
0: Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that because I believe the Nets were actually in on Justice Winslow when he was a free agent and then he had signed with the, he had chosen the Clippers and then we had picked up DeAndre Vembrey shortly after. So that basically confirmed like what type of players we were looking for this off season. And now we, I think we just have too many.
2: <laughs> I agree. I don't think he fits a need, but, um, all right. Next player from Twitter, uh, with, uh, step back 13, uh, T. Ross, the so Terrence Ross we already talked about. I would love to get Terrence Ross personally, and then B. Mac. Um, is that like ben Bismack, Biombo, or
0: Ben Mclemore? Ben Mclemore.
3: I'm assuming. Ben? I'm assuming. I don't think Bismack, Biombo is leaving this on.
0: Oh uh, yeah, no, that's Ben Mclemore because clearly that's a that's a Rockets fan.
1: Yeah, he he's on a minimum, so you could trade anyone for him, even if you had he goes in either of your trade exceptions. That's an easy gap. Maybe, you know, they'd like Javon Carter, want him under contract next year. I don't know. And then you could do that swap. But if not, you know, Trailblazers, far we know, they're, I think, $3 million over the luxury tax. He's at two point four mil. So if they just want to get closer to the tax line, they might be willing to send him just for cash. So just for that, that, yeah, that's definitely a feasible option for you guys.
2: Um, I, I would like Ben Macklemore, truthfully. I mean, I haven't seen him play recently, but he can shoot.
0: We got out, double so. daggered by him a few weeks ago.
3: Oh God. He
0: hit like, <laughs> two, he hit one shot that made it seem like it was over. And then like three minutes later, when the Nets climbed back in, he hit another one.
3: You uh, probably then, right? <laughs> All
0: right.
2: Next name from Han Shu Kaiser. Uh, Jesus. He's, he said next season he wants Ben Simmons. We're going to pretend I didn't just read that out loud. He said this, this season he wants Lonnie Walker.
1: Ooh. Lonnie Walker, that's an interesting one. He has restricted free agency coming up, so you could definitely you know um, keep him beyond this year, assuming you're willing to match whatever offer he gets. He's only at four and a half, so again, any of these small contract guys, when you have a guy like Bruce Brown and Javon Carter who you're willing to give up, it's an easy match. It's just a matter of if you're going to have the assets to acquire them. He's only 23 years old. I know the Spurs have a little log jam at guard, so maybe they'll let him walk. But I would imagine you have to attach some kind of asset to him. They, they actually need big men badly. Aside from Jacopoto, they really don't have anybody else. So maybe that's where Nick Claxton would get you Ronnie Walker. Ooh but then you're trading my restricted free agent for your restricted free agents. I guess it'll come down to who you prefer and who you think is going to make more money.
2: I personally really like Lonnie Walker's game. I would honestly, maybe even say, I'd rather have him over Klax personally. I don't know about you, Anthony and Joe.
3: I kind of agree, to be honest. I think, like, I love Nick Klax for switching ability, but other than that, it's a lot of not making your own shot and being hurt. To be completely honest, like he's played sixty something games in three years. That's not something ideal. He hasn't played a full season. Like he hasn't played a full season with the games in three years. Like that's definitely like <laughs> one look past that. I'm sorry. Like I, I know it's like people like to bag out him on that Twitter, but if you if you haven't even played eighty two games through three years, like what do you expect? I don't even know what he's going to get. Honestly, like like is does he have a crazy market? Like is someone willing to like give him like a? And, I know he's not getting Jared Allen money, but like. Is he even getting half what Jared Allen gets?
0: Probably not. I don't
3: even mean, know who, like, I guess it's a young team, maybe he'll take a flyer for, like, he be, like... I could see,
0: like, a Charlotte Hornets trying to throw money
3: at at He's 2 for 16 I could see him getting, like, some money that.
0: I think he's probably in, like, the $11 million range per year. Maybe.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say he's probably going to get around mid-level exception money and that's going to be about 9.5 to 10 mil with yeah. the Slight increase in the salary cap. It's true. So, yeah, I think that's around the range that we're looking at like a four for 40, four for 42, something like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything, in. Um.
2: All right. A couple more. Some of these are getting pretty repetitive. I kind of want to throw out a big name just to see Steven talk about the money. Uh, CJ McCollum.
1: Ooh. CJ yeah. McCollum. He's at like $30 million. So maybe Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and Bruce Brown gets you there or close to it. Yeah. But again, getting – I know McCollum's probably a negative contract at this point, but I would imagine Pullman wanting some kind of asset for him. And again, the Nets are so depleted with assets to provide. Again, that's probably a Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton trade where you really need to hope the Blazers are big on – One of those guys. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean,
2: McColl (laughs) McCall would be interesting. Obviously, I don't think he's a need for the Nets, but someone put it on there. Would be interesting, but uh, maybe he could play that six uh, six man kind of role, kind of we were talking about with Schroeder earlier. Uh, Let's just do a couple more. Uh, Any chance of a Karis LeVert return?
1: Um, I mean, him and Joe Harris work financially if you swap the two. I'm not sure, again, if shooting's the need, I'm not sure you want to swap Harris for LeVert. But again, if Harris, Harris is going to be out for the year and you guys are going for a championship, LeVert will contribute more than Harris would. Yeah.
2: That would be interesting. I think LeVert's also a better perimeter defender than Harris is, but obviously he's not the spot-up shooter that Joe Harris is. Not even close.
3: Uh-oh.
2: All right, let's just end on Montrez Harrell.
1: Montrez Harrell, he's mid-level exception he signed for, so he's about nine and a half mil. So Bruce Brown and Javon Carter gets you there. Again, I, I don't know. He's an expiring deal, so maybe Washington will just take like a second rounder for him. I'm not sure what Washington's going to do with the deadline because, you know, they're kind of in this limbo that the trailblazers are in of, are they going to compete? Are they going to rebuild? I'm not sure what direction they're going to go, but they definitely have a large jam at center. I actually had Thomas Bryant on my list. So, yeah, at Thomas Bryant and Montrose Harrell, I could definitely see it. But as you guys said earlier, I don't think center is the most pressing need for the Nets. So I'm just not sure how much sense it would make. All
2: right. So we just threw out a ton of names, obviously. Um, I personally, uh, Joe, Anthony, Stephen, You could correct me if you disagree with me? I don't really think the Nets are going to be too active at the trade deadline. I think we're going to see more uh, more so at the buyout market, kind of like we saw last year with Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge. Um, you guys tend to agree with that. I think we kind of went over how they have very limited movable assets that teams would actually want.
0: <laughs> it's just it's a matter of clearing the roster spots, which is why I think we might do like two moves at the deadline, which is one is that is obviously granting – Paul Millsap his wish and getting him to another place where he could actually contribute. Then another is getting Javon Carter the the hell off this team. So that's, those are the other two. So like, those are at least two. And I mean, Bruce Brown, he's another one that could go that like, it has a chance to like be thrown in with Carter and moves. So, yeah. Um, like I while we're with, on, I this. think it was the first trade we discussed. I think it was for Terrence Ross, Bruce, and Javon. And I mean, if the Nets could pull that off, that would be great for the team. Obviously.
2: Yeah. Just real quick on Bruce Brown, Stephen. I want to ask you: with that no trade clause, how tricky is it to move Bruce Brown?
1: Bruce Brown. Um, I didn't even realize he has a no trade clause. I guess because he signed the one year deal and it was a second year on the team. That automatically triggers a new trade clause. Um correct. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That makes it a lot more difficult to trade him.
2: <laughs> so Yeah, so like my thought is obviously he's on an expiring deal. He's not really playing with the nets. So maybe yeah, he maybe it would have to be go to a team to prove that he can still play to get money in the offseason. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I yeah, that's see what him.
1: I was thinking. If he goes to like And Orlando and a Terrence Ross trade. And Orlando says, look, we're going to give you 25 minutes a game. We'll rehabilitate your value before your free agency because you're going to get a ton of playing time here and be one of the better players with all our young guys. I think, you know, he might sacrifice the chance to win a championship for that.
0: See, that's the only thing. I don't know if he would even buy into that himself because he was playing like 20 minutes a game last year and he was playing great. And like, he really barely got any like offers. Cause obviously he came back to Brooklyn on a one year, $4 million qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. So, like it's, I don't know if he'd even be willing to take a chance like that. So it's going to be hard to move Bruce, but hopefully he would, if it means that we could upgrade, he would be willing to sacrifice for that.
1: Yeah. And again, it's difficult for the Nets because let's say you do package Bruce and Javon Calder every guy in that price range, the Covingtons, the Terrence Rosses, they might require a first-round pick or multiple seconds, and the Nets are really strapped with what they can give. That's why I mentioned a guy like Reggie Bullock, because the Mavs are at the tax line going into next year, before you even incorporate Jalen Johnson's free agency and Dorian Finney-Smith's free agency. So that Reggie Bullock contract hasn't worked out well for them. That's why he's a guy like that I mentioned, because they'll want to free up that money to sign other guys and you know, he might not take a pick to acquire. So that's the type of move I would see the Nets making around the edges.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just – I don't see why any team would want to trade for Javon Carter and Bruce Brown unless it's a situation like Stephen just said. They've just been horrible, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but it's something – I have my full faith in Sean Marks, obviously – um, Steven, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think is the biggest trade in across the entire NBA that happens at the trade deadline? doesn't have to be Nets related, just the biggest trade, biggest name um, that you want to see that gets moved.
1: The biggest name, I would say, would probably be DeMontis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Typically, initially, I would have said Miles Turner, but now with that foot injury, I see a team like Charlotte or Golden State wanting to go for Turner because he fits what they do. But if he's going to be out for an extended period of time, I can't picture a team taking a shot, trading multiple first-round picks or young players for him. So I think that shifts to Sabonis and his trade market because Turner would conceivably stay in Indiana longer. And I think one of those two guys are definitely gone. So that's what leads me to say Sabonis. Obviously, he's made the all-star team the past two years. I think that would be – I don't think we see a Bradley Beal. I don't think we see a Damian Lillard but I do think a trade like that, and we saw Nikolay Busevich surprising get traded at the deadline last year. I feel like Sabonis or Busevich trade kind of set the trade market and the value of what you could expect for a Sabonis trade.
2: Where do you uh, think Sabonis could end up? Because uh, I, I think Sabonis is very underrated. I I when I'm, There was Nets talk about Miles Turner. I would rather have Sabonis than Miles Turner personally.
1: Yeah, I mean... Same thing, same thing as the teams I just mentioned as like a Charlotte or Golden State. Probably not Golden State because him and Draymond are pretty repetitive of what they can do as both big men who want to post up and pass out of the post. But what about like a Washington? That's something that Yossi and I talked about on the pod yesterday. Washington has a whole glut of depth in the front court. They could package guys. They have mostly all their own picks. I could see, you know, a surprise trade like that. And Bradley Beal's upcoming free agency – all of a sudden, you think, okay, well, we need to make a move to keep Bradley Beal. Want to resign here? Maybe that's a move that you know, a surprise move that you see happen. Something like that, I could definitely picture as um, a possibility.
2: Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. I, I think that would be a great move for Washington as well. Like I said, I think Sabonis is a really good basketball
0: player. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask real quick: How badly did the sign and trade for Spencer Dinwiddie screw the Nets? Cause there, it was like it seemed like it seemed like Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma were to, were on the table for the Nets, and it seemed like Sean Marks just did everything in his power to not acquire both of them, and just get rid of Spencer. For what? What do we end up with? A conditional second, basically.
1: Well, you got the second, and you opened up the eleven and a half million dollar trade exception. And again, Which- if that ends that, if that ends up going unused, then yes, maybe it turns out being a bigger disaster than you're even talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, the best I could assume is that they didn't want to go that deep into the luxury tax by yeah. acquiring a Kuzma or, um, a Caldwell Pope or a Manchester Harold.
0: But wasn't, but didn't Kyle, isn't Kyle Kuzma making about like 13?
1: He's making 13.
0: Yes. And Spencer on his deal before we had traded him, he was making 11. So it was like, you're, at, you're basically matching Spencer's contracts and then you're getting whatever other assets. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess what you're saying makes sense just because we're taking on other players possibly. But, and when I look back at that trade right now, if that trade exception goes unused, that's going to stink.
1: Yeah, and that's, again, definitely a possibility given the financial situation. But again, this, the Nets have a prime opportunity. The East is wide open. One to six are all within two and a half games of each other. So if there's a time to spend and be willing to really go deep into the tax, I think this is the year to do it.
2: I mean, I agree. I hope they, they better do something. Is what I'll say. Uh, Joe, Anthony, you have any more questions on Steven
3: for Steven? I think we had everything. Yeah.
0: I think we think we hit almost.
2: I have one. I have one more question. I'm going to throw you on the spot again. You get one guess on a trade the Nets make. Just so if you get it right, I can give you some credit. What do you think the Nets do? One trade.
1: You know what? I'm going to double down on this Reggie Bullock trade I keep talking about. Because Mm. I just – the Mets were a disaster in the beginning of the year, but they've sneakily been one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. I could see themselves selling. I could see them selling themselves on the perimeter defense or Bruce Brown and Javon Carter and opening up that money to sign the guys I said earlier, the Jalen Brunson, Dwayne Finney Smith and get off the Reggie Bullock money. Maybe it's a three-teamer where another team comes in and takes Javon Carter. Maybe Bruce Brown has to go also where he he will get minutes to waive his trade exception. But Dallas is in the worst situation for Bruce Brown to say, okay, you know what? I'll probably get more minutes here and I'm still going to be playing in the playoffs, playing competitive basketball. Maybe that would be enough for him to, waive that no trade clause.
2: All right. Heard it. Um, So once again, it's going to be interesting. Two weeks to the trade deadline. I think the Nets are going to do something. I don't think it's going to be huge. I think we'll see more in the buyout market. Um, Thanks for that, Stephen. So before we go, uh, Joe, Anthony, we got to pick some games, fellas. Uh, Joe, you're in first. You're in first, my guy, Joe. So you're picking first. Um, Oh, really? I didn't know
0: I was in first. Thanks for reminding me.
2: (laughs) So obviously we got the Warriors on Saturday. That is away. Uh, Tuesday we have the Suns, which is also away. And then Wednesday we have Sacramento. You guys want to pick all three of the games right now?
3: Yes, sir.
0: All right, Joe, you can start. Well, well. Uh, the Nets will go on a five-game losing streak and bounce back against the Kings. So oh loss,
2: boy. loss, win. Loss, win. Joe, you okay, my guy? You're so happy about being first. Now you're going to pick five losses in a
0: row? Well, you only picked four of well, them, but... I should have picked the Timberwolves, man. I knew it, too. <laughs> But whatever. Yeah, I'm going loss-loss-win. The Suns and All the Warriors right. are too good for the Nets to end up beating those teams right now.
2: Anthony, who's picking first? Me or you?
3: You go. All
2: right. You know what, Joe? I'm sick of you. I'm sick of your arrogant attitude. I'm going a win against Golden State, a win against the Phoenix Suns, and a win against the Sacramento Kings. I'm going 3 and out.
0: Oh. <laughs> You're going to be in deep doo-doo, buddy.
2: Big three games from Kyrie Irving and James Harden. They are going to shut the media up. They are going to absolutely go off together, and the Nets are going to right the ship. Remember that, Joe. And next episode, I'm coming for you, not Anthony. I'm coming for you. Go ahead.
3: (laughs) All right, Anthony. I'm going to go win at Golden State, lose at Phoenix, win at Sacramento.
2: all right, this is the second straight episode in a row where we uh, all went different. That th- that didn't happen before in the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, anything else you guys want to talk about? Like we said, I think we pretty much covered every single possible name. Um, I'm good with it. Anything else, Joe? Anthony? We're good. All good. All right. Once again, big thank you to Stephen Bagel from the Birds Right. Bird rights podcast of Sports Ethos. Uh, really appreciate it. Very knowledgeable on numbers, uh, possibility of trades happening. Thank you for coming in. And once again, this is the Sports Ethos Nets podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We look forward to seeing some trades, seeing some Brooklyn Nets wins, and getting healthy. Let's go, Nets.